we have to be urgent towards the process. We got to be urgent towards our craft. If we're approaching this practice as well, you know, I'm just going to kind of hit around and whatever, then you don't get better. You actually get worse because now you've taken that for granted. You haven't utilized that time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, we've got another special guest. His name is Dr. Rob Bell. Uh, He's someone that I have known about for a long time, uh, but I'm finally getting to talk to him. He's he's a um, performance coach himself, as well as an author of seven books um, with one on the way. Uh, Books like uh, one you'll hear us talk about today is Puke and Rally. Um, Another one is No One Gets There Alone, The Hinge, Mental Toughness, Training for Golf. Uh, I've got links to uh, his page uh, of all of his books on um, in the show notes of uh, of this episode, but you can go to drrobbell.com to check out his stuff. Um, But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you about taking the Mental Game Assessment. It is uh, basically a personality quiz, uh, but for golf. It's uh, it probably should take you like fifteen minutes. Um, and what you'll do is you'll um, you'll fill that out, and I'll get back to you with a a customized, custom to you, uh, hand created report. Um, and that will what it will show you is your uh, where you rank on eighteen different mental game traits. Things like perfectionism, fear of failure, anxiousness, nervousness, pressure, love of the game, perspective, things like that. And uh, you'll get to see your greatest strengths, but also the area where you could improve the most. And uh, it'll give you some specific tips on how to improve that area of improvement. So go take that. Uh, The link will be in the show notes, um, as always. So yeah, uh, that's it's an awesome resource. I use it directly with my uh, golf psychology players, so it's it's not just a, a f- uh, like a filler thing. It's it's very valuable information. I I lean on it a lot. So yeah, go take that, um, and I'll get back to you with a report. Uh, yeah, so let's get into this episode with Dr. Rob Bell. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, if you could uh, just go and introduce yourself, um, maybe give give the listeners a little bit of background. I know a little bit about you um, from uh, my instructor Robert Limville, who introduced me to you. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah, you could yeah. give the listeners some some background and um, yeah, just some some highlights. Um, sure, man. Um, boy, what highlights? I'm not the best to introduce to myself. To be honest, man. Um, That's all right. I mean, I've written uh, eight books on mental toughness. Um, I've had that's uh, enough right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop at that one, man. Um, <laughs> I've had uh, three three different winners on uh, on PJ Tour. Um, have been uh, have caddied on tour. Been out there on tour. Or, geez, man, I don't know since like '08, I guess. So, still waiting for a major winner to be perfectly honest uh, <laughs> in the stable. Uh, so, just worked with athletes, coaches, and teams on mental toughness. And, um, it's really, it's the only thing that I focus on 
with uh with work and, and life is just helping people get to where they want to go so it hasn't been just reserved to golf it's been all different sports um and then you know personally professionally i mean i like uh, i like doing ultra marathons and then ironmans and ran 100 milers and all that stuff so i like pushing yeah. myself and um yeah man i mean um i guess those are a couple of the highlights and can you guess yeah. I can stop with that one yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, that's awesome. Um, okay, so you you work with tour players, so I, yeah. I think we'll just get right into that. I mean, this is the mental golf show, so I think what's important is sharing with the listeners. Um, I don't know if we have any PGA Tour player listeners, but sharing with the listeners how you know the things that they can do to improve their game from a mental perspective, from a psychology perspective. Um, so that's what we'll focus on here. Sure. And, and it, a couple of books that you've written in particular, um, I could see it right over your shoulder. Puke and rally is, is one. And then you've, and you've got an upcoming one that I'd love to talk about. So maybe you could just start us at puke and rally. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, catches your eye on the, on the title. Um, maybe give us a little, a little bit on, that book and maybe how it can apply to golfers and, you know, maybe the average golfer that's just listening. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the, the couple of things, I mean, if you read any kind of mental book, a lot of that is going to be the same stuff. I mean, it really is right. A lot of building blocks about how hard you have to work, the focus, the confidence, how you let go of mistakes, all that stuff. Uh, I wrote puke and rally because of and i think it varies in two different ways one the fact of like again it's an all it's a cheeky title but that we've all puked every single one of us has puked and what does that mean in the performance realm when the performance realm is like look bad stuff's gonna happen period it, it bad stuff's gonna happen like there are going to be puke moments and even with that said like you don't get to the professional levels without having puked more than the other person like it's the only way that you get to that level keep putting yourself in that situation, you put yourself in that situation, there's going to be puke moments, right? I mean, I could even use the C word here and like choke. Mm. Like they all have at any kind of level, they all have. You can't look at some of the best and not say, well, they've never, never choked because it mm. happens. So why is puke and rally? Why is that so important? Is because it's not about the setback. It's always about the comeback. It's always about how we respond to that adversity. And the way that I think that it looked a little bit different is I, I never liked the quote, fall down seven, get up eight. For me, Josh, that has never resonated before. And, and, it, and it hit me right in that book. Why didn't that resonate? And the thing was, is because when you fall down for the seventh time, you remember the fourth and fifth time that you fell down. So all the flood and emotions and past trauma comes back. And then that starts to impact your identity. And the issue is, is if we could just isolate this instance for what it is and not bring back all the past baggage of our past mistakes, of when we messed up, of when we said we weren't good enough. And if we can overcome that, then we can isolate the issue and then be able to overcome better. And that's the thing. It's like those mistakes, we just have to be able to overcome this mistake. So look at like New Year's resolutions, for instance. Like I don't mm. set them. I've never really set them. I'm just a goal getter, right? Like all the time. But mm. a lot of people set the New Year's resolutions. Well, the reason why they fail 80% of the time 
is because it's not the intention. It's not even the discipline, man. It's the fact of we never use time to the advantage that things start out well. We're going to the gym every day. We're focusing on our diet, whatever it is. And then what happens? Well, life happens. Kid gets sick, can't go to the gym, or we have that piece of cake. And what automatically happens because of the past is we say, screw it. Yeah, I missed yesterday. What's the point on going today? Or I ate this piece of cake. Might as well have the whole damn cake. And that and that impacts the, you know, or not only our self-esteem, but then how we respond to that situation. So if we can just isolate that problem. So it's not the bogey that happens, right? It's always going to be the shot after it. It's always going to be the tee shot after it. And I mean, if you could just look at this in this pattern, I mean, it just continues throughout. And then the other thing is, uh, I just think that, and a lot of people disagree with me on this one, but I think being told that you're not good enough, I think it's a real blessing mm. because I have yet to come across anybody as well that's been successful that wasn't told you're not good enough. That's a bad idea. Don't try it. It. And it was that, even though it's very, very painful, that alone put them on the fence of you're going to agree with that person that says you're not good enough, or you're going to agree with yourself. You can't have it both ways. And so being told that you're not good enough, although it's very, very painful, it became the biggest catalyst to some people's career and their life. And it can't always turn into just proving people wrong. Like that can work up to a point, but it really is about proving yourself right. Mm. And that's the part where, you know, people talk about, well, you just got to overcome that stuff. Look, I think it's being told you're not good enough is a blessing. Mm. And so you actually have to seek that out. When you seek that out and you find it, the problem is, is it can't just come from outside. It, It usually comes from somebody close to us, whether it's a parent, teacher, coach, and then those are the most painful ones, right? And then all the more important thing is there just has to be one person that can come alongside you and say, look, you don't need to listen to that, that coach. You just got to be listening to yourself. Sure. And so those are the two things, man, about puke and rally, what, uh, why I wrote that and, and why I think it just differentiates it from all other like mental toughness and, yeah. and mental skill books. Sure. Okay. So with the, with the average golfer, you know, they're, I guess those puke moments, they're not on the huge stage. They're oftentimes, just little subtle things that are happening throughout a round of golf or one bad round or who knows a bad year of golf or like you were saying with new year's resolutions, you, you set out with a, with a great intention and it just all falls apart. So if you could speak to like a 90 shooter right now, just the run of the mill average golfer, how would you talk to them about their puke moments, as you say, which I think is an mm-hmm. awesome term because I, it, it, um, normalizes just, uh, just something that's just really like feels terrible to us, but it's, it's normal. Like it's, it's a, it feels awful, but it's normal. So how would you talk to someone about that? And, and maybe some examples that they might be going through. And I know you work with super high performers, so maybe that's, it's a little bit different conversation than you're used to having, but how would you talk to someone about their puke moments? And then, how would they, how would you write them and get them back on the right course? Yeah, I think it's, uh, so it's really difficult in the moment, you know, so you have to have a plan on how, I think you have to have a game plan on how you're going to respond when the stuff goes bad. I've got to have it myself, right? I played with my son yesterday. Okay. 
our goal and daddy's goal is just to have fun. Like that's mm-hmm. all, that's all it is. We're not going to be competing against each other. We're going to try our best and, you know, we get competitive, but it's like, it's you against you. So when that is laid out there and then I get a little bit stressed or off balance, I can get back to the goal is to have fun. And that's what works for me, right? Like I use golf as I want it to be fun. I'm not a big, um, I I don't need money on the line. I want to enjoy it. I want to just kind of compete against myself. I, I do that in life. I don't need to do it on the course. A lot of people are different, man. They're wired, right? They need that juice on the line to, to get anything out of it. But I like the peace and tranquility of it. So I think it's about one, having a game plan. And then the other is going to be the debrief. The debrief that you have with yourself. What I mean is that, right? It's like, okay, 90 shooter, 80 shooter, wherever that level is going to be, where were things going well? And then where did we see it kind of go off? And a lot of times you can trace it back to a couple of different moments. Like, well, you know, it really wasn't that push seven iron on number four. It was not getting up and down on that hole. Mm. And the next hole, you know what? Yeah, it was a pretty good shot, but yeah, I missed the three footer. Well, and then I was upset. Then I pulled the drive. And why did it, why did that happen? Well, I remember just stomping up there and then just, you know, letting it rip and not really going through my, my routine. So I think those are the two things that, that everyone can do is what's the game plan, mental game plan going in. And then how do we debrief it on the way back? You know, yeah. and a lot of people don't want to do either one. They just want to play <laughs> and go after it. But I think yeah. those are two essential things. Right. And, and then the other part is you have to realize Tiger Woods said this. There is no easy shot in golf don't ever say man i did all the hard stuff you know and then i just had you know the easy putt you know there is no easy shot in golf when you there are some simple shots i get it but there's no easy shot every shot requires your utmost attention and skill and it's like you know if we three putt five times which happens it's not any fun those are usually the worst rounds and i'll just say this too josh look i think putting is the key to the enjoyment of the game if you putt well you enjoy the game more if you putt horrible i I think the game just becomes more uh you know more angst more you know more issues with it you know what i mean you think it centers on putting i do yeah i mean think about it right if you have somebody that really stripes it well hits it great and they don't make anything takes the enjoyment away if you have if you're not hitting it that good man but you just make everything Boy, that's such a good feeling, right? It's like, man, I mean, you, you get done. But the thing about putting is, too, it's like putting, if you putt really well, it's even almost apologetic. Hmm. Oh, man, I just made everything today. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, why would you apologize? Isn't that the goal to try and make the putt? So, like, putting itself, man, is very, very finicky. You know what I mean? But, yeah, you stripe it the best you have and you don't make anything, you're not going to enjoy it. If you don't hit it that well, but you make everything, you're enjoying it a whole lot more. Right, yeah. Okay, so I, I like the have a game plan. You you're already ready for the puke moments. You're mm-hmm. you're not going in and saying everything's gonna go great. No, you know, like we've all played golf enough. Like no round ever goes perfect. There's gonna be those moments, um, and if it goes perfect, then you were prepared for that it wasn't, and it went great. But for, then the mental game doesn't even come into play, right? You know, if you play perfect. great rounds, the mental game. Well, the mental game, I guess, would come into play because if you're out of your comfort zone, you're playing really well, like that can happen. Like you got to keep your foot on the gas. Right. You know what I mean? But that yeah, other, yeah, right. th- other than that. Right. Low and then going lower. So right. let's let's jump into that. Um, for the, we could 
we could talk about 90 shooters, 80 shooters, or, you know, top PGA Tour players. Let's let's focus on the average golfer again, just because that's mm-hmm. probably the average listener to this. You know, they they've never broken 80 before. So they they're seven over through 16 holes or they, you know, they've parred the first six holes and like, oh my goodness, I've never played this good before. And that thought starts going through their head. If you could jump in there right then, or if you could talk to them, you know, debrief to use your term afterwards, um, how would you talk them through that situation where they are playing really well and the thoughts start pounding and they, you know, they eject themselves and, and ruin that good round. How would you talk mm-hmm. about that kind of thing? Well, like, so in the moment, how would I talk to them? Sure. So if I'm in the moment, I'm getting really aggressive with them, hmm. you know, and I'm demanding that they forget about the score and what they're doing. They take a deep breath um, and be aggressive on this shot. Like get back to what you're doing, be get aggressive back on the to shot. the present, right? Yeah. Because what happens is what I see is we want to not mess up. And then automatically when we're not trying to mess up, you know, we start steering it or guiding it. And that never works in this game. Mm. The game rewards the brave. So you have to be brave in those situations. The other part that's important is you're going to mess up those rounds from time to time, right? The first time you're ever going to break 80, sometimes it doesn't go. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's, that's the point of you don't get to the level of breaking 80 without having messed around with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's so like the PAT is very fascinating, right? The player ability test, because that that is a finite score. You have to hit the score. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. And there are many people that get it on the first time, but they are players, right? There are some that aren't competitive players and they have to get it. Well, they keep taking it and you keep taking it and you keep taking it. And that's the point about life, man, is you have to keep staying in it, learning what you got from it. Where did my mind go under stress? Uh, you know, how did my body react to that? And then just keep putting yourself in that situation. You know, that's how yeah. I think the debrief happens on those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So get them back to the present if it's in the moment. But if it's like, let's talk about what went wrong afterwards. It's, it's that, um, it's not going to go well. Like you're going to have those puke moments. You just had one today. It's okay, man. Like you're going to, like, you're probably going to experience that again and maybe two, three, four more times, but keep showing up, keep putting yourself in that position and you'll start to learn how it feels and you'll start. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's the thing too, right? It's like, that's why the golf, that's why golf is so fascinating is because if that's the only thing, then you look at, Mm. well, I mean, you're just going to, beat yourself up. You know I mean, you, you put yourself in a situation, you have to go back and play it in your mind, man, about all those good pars you had or the, or the birdies that were going to be in there. You have to play that stuff too. You have to hold on to the good stuff because the only thing you're focused on is where you come up short. It becomes a zero sum game. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't get the enjoyment out of it and then it's just loss aversion up mm. to that point. Yeah. And then that becomes really painful. Mm. The other part is, and I, that's why I don't like, um, I don't like keeping score like when you're playing. Um, because if you know in your head exactly where you are at all times, well then you, you can get in the mode of living and dying off every shot when you know you kind of have an idea of where you are, you know what I mean? It it still forces you to stay, you know, to keep competing and do your best on this shot. 
So I just say, look, there's about interference management. The more you can stay just focused on this shot, the better you're going to be. That's why I'm not really encouraging people to make sure you know where you are at all times on your score because I don't don't find that as as being that important. Even with pros, man, it's like stay focused on your game and and how you're playing. Yeah, okay. So so that gets into kind of a process or outcome focus. So a process focus, maybe what are some – things people can focus on instead of that outcome, instead of that score, instead of how everyone else is playing, maybe like two or three, man. I just think the biggest thing is committing to the shot, Mm. commit to the shot. Did you commit to the shot? We can kind of get away with not committing to the shot, but then you have to be able to assess that and be able to know, okay, well I got away with that. It was a little bit thin, but at least I committed to it. You know, you can also hit a good shot, but man, the whole time your process was like, I just don't want to be right. Or you had thoughts popping in your head, whatever it is. Got to evaluate yourself. When, did I commit to the shot? The more often you do that, the better the outcome is going to be. You don't control the outcome, but now you're taking away the variable mm. of did I commit or did I not? Yeah. And that's the part where um, I just think it's the end all be all, man. Did yeah. you commit to the shot? It's the thing you can control. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, that that's kind of related to like a pre-shot routine, post-shot routine. How mm-hmm. much do you like? How much does that is that necessary? Uh, mandatory needs to be the same every single time. Like with your ultra marathons, or, or I think that's what you said. Do, yeah. do you have like a pre-shot routine or a pre-performance routine? Like how how does that come into play for golf? Well, yeah, I mean, on the ultra marathons, I mean, there's so many details that go into the ultra marathons that I can guarantee you this. Okay, Josh, let me just put it like this: like I'm never going to forget bug spray again <laughs> going out there on a trail. You forget it one time, and you're getting lit up, and and you're out there for three more hours. Yeah. Tell you what, you're not going to forget it again. Yeah, did so that happen to you? Oh man. I mean, there's just so many, so many details that go into it. You know, I mean, if you, for the hydration, um, I mean, just think about it, man. I mean, you're just, I mean, for a 24 hour race, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong oh, yeah. and the amount of details that you try and like cover and you don't cover them all, you know what I mean? So I think as well. And a lot of that is just on, you know, kind of the pre the pre-round, right? Yeah. The same thing when we're playing. I mean, that's the pre-round stuff. Like you got to have yeah. your mental game plan, how you want to play. Hmm. Um, but the reason why I think the pre-shot and, and post-shot routine is so important is because that is what you are going to have when you're trying to win a tournament or you're trying to break 80 for the first time, you're going to have that routine. And I don't, the perfect routine is something that got you committed to the shot. Like there's no, we're not thinking about making our routine great. Like it's already ingrained. Mm. If it committed to the shot, that's a great routine, but we don't practice it and we don't do it until it's really important. Well, then it's a lot of times it's too late. It's gotta be something you really ingrained in practice. Uh, okay. Got it. Um, okay. So do you, are you a big believer in like writing things down, um, either, you know, intentions for the future or as a journaling exercise after, is that, is that something that is important or uh, is that something players should, that are listening should integrate into their lives or golf games? Well, I think, um, journaling is, is very important. Um, 
you know, let's use Ricky Fowler, for instance. Ricky doesn't like journal, but he would think about his round a lot and he would process his round a lot. Sure. So I think it has to be part of the rhythm of what you do. And I think it goes beyond that, though. I think if we really want to get um, good, mm. then you start tracking and writing down, you know, your best shot and what I learned and what I liked and where do I need to focus and where am I giving shots away, stuff like that. And I think then being able to evaluate becomes exponentially how we get better. Mm, yeah. Our memories aren't always super clear. So if we can right. if we can write it down in the moment tomorrow when we're wondering what we have to work on or next week or next month when we want to look back and say what was going right, we have very clear information. Yeah. No question, yeah. man. Okay. So you're working on a book upcoming. Um, I don't know if you mentioned the name of that book. I think I know, uh, I know the name of that book. So what is it and what's it about? Uh, the book is, I can't wait to be patient and the fastest way to get there. <laughs> I Another see title. That's right, man. I see time <laughs> as the most precious resource that we have. It's what we want the most, but what we use the worst. Mm. And with time to our advantage, looking at this book as you know, look, if we want to get mentally better, then what do we do, right? Well, we take an assessment, but we work on our discipline, we work on our habits, we work on what we say to ourselves, we work on our confidence, we work on our focus, work on let go of mistakes. And none of that stuff's bad. Like, that's all great. But rarely do we look at our relationship with time. And what happens is we have to be urgent towards the process. We got to be urgent towards our craft. If we're approaching this practice as well, you know, I'm just going to kind of hit around and whatever, then you don't get better. You actually get worse because now you've taken that for granted. You haven't utilized that time. But the issue is, is so if we are urgent towards the process, which I believe we have to be, what happens too often is we become urgent towards the unimportant things, getting stuff, getting stuck in traffic issues that happen with golf in particular, right? Like there's so much time in between shots. Mm. We only talk about that as being a disadvantage. You got to use it to your advantage, mm. right? Disengage, man. Focus on uh, other, you know, your playing partners, focus on the nature, focus on being out there, focus on gratitude, perspective. And I always look at, um, you know, just time and how fast it goes that we have to appreciate the moment, appreciate the struggle. I'm always one that wanted the good times to last a little longer. You know, I hated it when tournaments were over. I hated it when bad, you know, when good stuff happened and then it was done. Well, it really hit me that if I wished the good times, um, or if I wished like the bad times to be over, that means I have to wish for the good times to be over as well. Like I can't have both because time Time is just the same for absolutely everybody. So it's really just our relationship with it. And because if I wanted the good times to last a little longer, then I have to want the bad times to last a little longer either. And I don't. So it really gets back to the baseline that is no matter how good things are, no matter how bad things are, this too shall pass. Mm, yeah. And it keeps us grounded. It keeps us hopeful at the same time. And it keeps us appreciative when things are going well, because look, things are bad right now. This too shall pass. Hmm. Things are great right now, man. You got it. This too shall pass. 
and that teaches us in the in the sport of golf as well right like man, we can be going great man and then all of a sudden so and it's really just being in touch with with that time and that's mm. what the book's all about and that's how i think then we approach the mental game and getting better is through time yeah okay wow that's i mean that sounds um that sounds like a a deeper a deeper look at yourself and how you view things. Um, and I mean, that sounds awesome. I mean, patience is huge, right? So it's, uh, if you can, if you can handle the things that are, that you encounter and that hit you and, and decide to push forward anyway, I mean, that's, I think that's everything, right? So, um, and then it's like, and then, and then on the simplest level, right? Like what happens in the game when we don't have patience? Well, not only do we press, but we don't stay committed to what we're doing. Oh, well, that's not working. I'm going to go back or I'm going to start working on this. Or we start switching or start changing and we don't have a path. You don't know what the path is. You get confidence from believing in your path and then staying patient and making sure it keeps working with it. That's the thing with coaches. You can get five different coaches that can tell you five different things and they're all right. (laughs) Which one do you want to stay with? Because if you go with all five, none of them are going to be right. If you stay with one and you stay with that path, then you're going to give yourself a better opportunity, a better shot. And that's where I think then we get confidence from staying committed to your process if you have patience. Yeah. Uh, something I learned recently, if you if you start jumping around to different things, I mean, golfers love like watching YouTube how to learn it's you know how do i fix my slice so you jump to that for two weeks doesn't work you're right back where you were two weeks later if not worse and now you've wasted two weeks and actually gotten worse instead of slowly sticking to one singular process so if a if a player is wondering which process should i do how do they choose? How do they how do they know what instructor to go with? How do they know? Well, I mean, it's a great question, right? I think it's about what the goals want to be. Like, it's always getting back to what what's the goal. If you want the goal to be to go out there, to enjoy it, to have fun, competitive is not that important to you. It doesn't really matter what you shoot. Then you can go any path you want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it determines, like, is competitive golf something that you want? Um. And then who is it that you think that aligns with you and who is it that you think can kind of get you there? Mm-hmm. Who is it that speaks in a fashion that you can get? Um, I'm a guy that I just want simple instruction because physically being an athlete my whole life, like I can figure that out. But what I can't do is I can't figure it out when, when, it, when it keeps hooking on me and I have no idea why it's doing that. Mm-hmm. I just need an understanding of, why mm-hmm. and what I need to do or what I did do for that to happen, mm-hmm. then I'm good. Um, yep. Then I can work on that and practice that. So you just, man, it's really tough. You just got to know your personality. You got to know what the goal is. And then what's, what's the best strategy for you to, you know, get there. Mm-hmm. What's the best instruction for you to get. Yeah. Um, and, and then when the patients where the patience comes in is like, just stick with that. Like if yeah. you believe and you trust that it's, aligned with your goals and that person is aligned with your goals, stick with it. Don't, don't veer off, stick with it. Uh, this is maybe too specific of a question. How long should someone stick with something? Uh, you know, I'm asking you to like talk to 
thousands of different people so, or yeah. How do you, how would yeah. you say? So I've thought about this too, right? Cause I would think mm-hmm. about, and I don't think there's one great answer for it. Of course. I would say that I'll preface it. But I think when the feel isn't matching up to what you're being instructed or what you're being taught, if you can't feel that or it doesn't feel right um, and you're not feeling what it is that you're supposed to be doing, if that keeps continuing, it's going, it's, it's maybe time to start looking mm. because what feel isn't real or mm-hmm. feel is real, whichever one you want, right? Feel is like, real usually. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to, um, it, it doesn't matter how it looks. It matters like how it feels and like sure. what you're working on. So if it connects and you're able to make that adjustment, um, great. Then I would say definitely stay with it. Mm. But if it's like geometry class where, oh man, geometry class, watching the teacher put it up on the board makes perfect sense. I don't need to even write any notes, right? You get home and you're like, wait, how did the teacher do this? I have no idea how the teacher even put this in there. Mm. If it becomes like that, it's difficult to make that connection, man, because now you're, you're, you're dependent on the teacher being there showing you how this geometry problem was. Right. And that's the part where you just got to know what the basics and um, Mm. know that the feel I think is matching up with what you're trying to do. Yeah. I I think it's, am I able to actually experience what the instructor is telling me? I think that's probably an important piece. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you work with, really high level players what do you see the the best players doing differently from the run of the mill player like in in their activities like how do obviously they have way more time because it's their job but like how do they handle things differently than the run of run of the mill player uh i just think it's it's one way or another it's getting back to belief getting back to mm. belief in themselves and that they know that they're going to be successful. They have assurance and hope for a better future. Mm. And I really believe that's what it's getting back to. Well, what, what, what does that equate to? Patience, man. Yeah. You right. know, if you show me somebody that's confident, I will show you somebody that's patient. Um, mm. You know, because what happens when we lose confidence? Well, we rush, man. We get urgent. You know, we want it yesterday. Um. And when you look at any of the greats, any of the greats that have been up there, some of them do fall off and never make it back, but most of them make it back. You know I mean? Let's look at a couple of recent examples. And this is why I hate sports media. I can't stand it because they're going to jump on anybody the moment that they haven't won three times in a row, right? Like it's only going to be, it's only going to be a matter of time yeah. before they start looking at John Rom saying, Boy, what happened to John Rom? <laughs> right. Well, they start looking at Scotty Scheffler saying, what happened to Scotty Scheffler? Yeah. It's only a matter of time because that's what media tries to do, right? Media tries mm. to create drama. So mm. let's look at a couple of recent examples. Well, Jordan Spieth had trouble. Ricky Fowler had trouble, mm. meaning they fell off of the level of kind of where they were and they didn't meet like their own expectations, what they did, but buddy, they made it back. How'd they make it back? Well, they knew what the base of what they were trying to do was, and they all ma- always had confidence, I believe, in what they were trying to do. Mm. So that's what I think really separates it, man, is just that belief and confidence. Yeah, so to the to the average player listening, it's, I'm, even if I encounter difficulty, I'm going to remain patient. Even if I experience those puke moments, 
I'm going to rally. Like I'm, I'm going to stay laser focused on my process, even if it's going bad. That's, that's how to, as best as you can with the time that you have available is to be, to become, to maximize your potential. Is that pretty well said? Is that about right? Well, you said it, man, even if hindered, right? So, I mean, you stay committed even if hindered. Well, that's perseverance. That's persistence. And that goes hand in hand with patience. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, Robert Linville, as I mentioned up top, he, he connected us. Yeah. He's, he's great. I mean, he's been, uh, everything in my golf career. He, he mentioned that you have some, some thoughts on like maybe talking to parents out there, parents of, um, young golfers and a lot of our listeners, uh, we have a lot of parents of golfers listening. Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe you could, you know, broad strokes, if you could just sit down in front of, and I'm sure you've done this, sit down in front of a bunch of parents, how would you talk to them? How would you instruct them of their young golfer, young competitive player, how they should go about it? Okay. Well, let's, I would really start with this, right? If that's okay. Broad strokes. Yeah, man. If you, if you knew what it took to be on the PJ tour, you'd never have your kids sign up. <laughs> I you think it's pretty well said. You would not. Because tell me who number 76 is right now. The only parent, the only, th- the only players people are looking at are like the top 10, maybe top 20 in the mm. world who are flying private, going right. to where they are, you know, have one major stuff like that. Mm. You want to tell me the 126 golfer can't, um, you know, make a living out there, can't stay on tour. Right. I mean, so I say take the route of professional golf. Just don't even have it in, in the, uh, what do I want to say here? Don't even have it in the, the option mm. because it's not a choice. That's the thing. It's not a choice. I've had parents that have say, well, maybe, you know, after college, maybe you'd want to like, you know, go pro and stuff like that. Like it was a choice. Sure, you can go pro automatically. <laughs> Anyone right? can, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're going to be playing on the mini tours and stuff like that. And if that's by all means, man, do it if that's what your passion is. But that's your passion, not your parents' passion, right? So yeah. I always think, though, if parents are putting that expectation or even that hint that it's a possibility, you're putting the results already in front of the process. And it's going to let you down because the chances of you hitting it are very, very low. Yeah. Um, my son is obsessed with golf. Now, <laughs> I think for him, like for me, like I'd love it if he played collegiate golf. I'm not going to lie. Like I'd love it if he played collegiate golf. Professionally, no. Because I see what it's like, man, to yeah. uh, drive from tournament to tournament, to shoot a 65 <laughs> and go in home. a Monday qualifier and go home. Because the pros, you don't know how good they are. And this is how I can say to parents, like, this is how, well, I, I can get off on that on another tangent. If, if you want me to equate how good the, the best of the best are, I can certainly do that. Because I got a great analogy for it, but I don't want to waste the time. But I always say, just have, don't have that outcome hanging over you as as a parent because it's going to put too much pressure, going to be too much stress on you. Um so are you almost hindering, like hindering your son, like for instance, or would you hinder? No, no, kids? I'm just not getting in the way of it. 
Got it. That's what I mean. Like, and getting in the way is pushing it. Yeah, getting in the way is like in. Do we have the conversation? You have to have continually have the conversation with your kids in terms of what is it that you want, what's your goal for the season, and you have to have that conversation again and because the their why about what they are right now might not be their same why as what it was two years ago. Mm, It might not be the same thing as what it was six months ago. Mm. You have to be willing to accept that their answer. Yeah. But you have to keep having that conversation. So we have the conversation because the one part I can share with him is, okay, if it is something you want, here is what you have to do. Mm. Now it's having the conversation. Do you want me to hold you accountable to that? Yeah, dad, I want you holding me accountable. You sure? Because we're always going to get back to this that, hey, if if not, you know, wh- wh- where's where's the goal on and up? Mm. And so that's the part there where it's like, but it's just not being driven by the parents. And a good line is, it's tough to be driven when you're being driven. If mm. you are the parent, the one nagging them to practice, if you're the one telling them to reminding them about the stuff in their bag and the things they need to do, you want more than them. It right. never works. Right. And that's the part where we always kind of get back to. If it's going to be driven by them, by all means, make it driven by them. And then you facilitate them wanting to go practice. But dad, I, I want to go practice. Well, okay. I guess we can go take you there. Mm. Instead of, hey, man, you're going you're gonna to get that practice in? Right. You know what I mean? Then it's like, who's driving the bus? They, they have to drive it. They have to take ownership of it. Right. So a lot of, a lot of parents, I mean, parents will approach me, Hey, I want you to work with my kid. And probably that's already a pretty bad start, but a lot of them say, man, he just doesn't practice like he's supposed to. And I get onto him and he doesn't practice like he's supposed to. So they're driving their kid and not letting their kid drive it. So let's, so you would just, you would tell that parent you need, like, would you straight up tell that parent you need to back off? Maybe we shouldn't even work with this kid because it's not his choice or her choice. What would you, how would you talk to that parent? Yeah. And it's not the best business model, is it? <laughs> right, <no. laughs> but, but here's the thing, man. The most difficult mental skill to work on is the motivation. Like I don't, I, I do not work with people that aren't motivated. It's just not right. me. That's not, I'm not the guy. Right. Maybe there are other people there. Like you can watch YouTube videos and get fired up and go after it. It's great. I'm not that guy. Mm. I'm the guy that's going to work with somebody that's already motivated, that already wants it, that already puts in the hard work. Yeah. Now that's the sculpture I can work with. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's the part. I mean, with parents, if they're wanting their kid to practice and they're not meeting that, you got to have the conversations. Mm. You have to have those conversations. And what is it that they want? What are they willing to do? What are you able to hold them accountable for? Um, and that's the continue. I mean, that is a balance. That's an edge. But too often we don't want to broach that. And we just have it in an idea about where we want them to go play and what we want them to achieve. Right. And that's the part where it's kind of always getting back to. Um, and I just think it's like, I just let the parents know that I don't work with motivation. It's not, Yeah. I'm not the best person for that. There's probably somebody else that's better to get somebody more motivated and fired up. Um, I work with somebody that already has the goals and already dedicated to what they do. Then you tweak with that. Can't build the motivation. That that spark and fire has to be there, man. Yeah. Yeah. The kid, the kid has to want it. The parent. I love that. Uh, if you are 
being correct me if you're being driven you're not driven how how did you say that i loved it yeah yeah it's tough to be it's tough to be driven when you're being driven yeah right you can't yeah okay the 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 kid and to the kids listening there are there are several i'm i know they show up with your motivation approach your parents this is what i want don't wait for them to come to you to push you um and and I, I mean, if you want it, go for what you want. And to the parent, go with what the kid wants. It's just, it's a better, it's a better symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And yeah. that's why the conversations have to be had. Yeah. I always say this, you got to have, you have to talk about all uncomfortable situations in comfortable environments. Mm. When is the time not to have it? You don't want to have this conversation after a round. Right. Not after Especially shooting 84. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. That's not the time. And you yeah. certainly don't want to have the conversation before. Mm-hmm. And let me give you, for instance, like, again, son very motivated, loves to play. Uh, and this wasn't too long ago, man. This was a couple weeks ago. Mm. Didn't have his uh, golf shoes there. Now, we are just a couple minutes away from the course, right? And my response to him was, well, I guess you're going to be playing without your golf shoes today. Because <laughs> I ain't going back and getting them. Sure. And why? Yeah. Because I can guarantee you this. He won't forget him again. It's the bug spray. It's the bug spray. Exactly it, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not going to forget it again. Yeah. And it happens, but I'm not going to be the one on hook. Well, what happens too often, right? Oh, Johnny forgot. I got to go make a sandwich mm. and go get a sandwich because he didn't have anything. Mm. Now, I get it. There are certain circumstances where, yeah, you don't want him uh, malnourished or something, you know, <laughs> on whole 14 in a big tournament. Sure. But if this is a practice round or something like that, Mm. I'd, I'd let them sweat it for a while. Sure. So they're not yeah. going to forget it, but that's the life lesson. And the life lesson is going to last way beyond whenever the sport's going to be over. And the beauty mm. about this sport is this something you can play your entire life. Mm. Even yeah. though it's painful at the moment, you don't want to do it. That's what really teaches. Mm. I, that, th- I think we're seeing that which th- hurts yeah. instructs. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I think we're, I think we're seeing a theme with you, your books, you write it's, Use the hard time to your advantage. There's a reason why there's hard times. You can't avoid hard times. I mean, you could and just like live in your home and your house mm-hmm. and play video games all the time, but you can't avoid hard times. To the to the average golfer, to the to the kid, to the parent, there will be difficult times. Use them as yeah. lessons. And and this is true. <laughs> I see so many different things. I mean, the one thing that really drove draws my ire is when parents are carrying the kid's bag or pushing the kid's cart or taking the bag and strapping it up. Now I understand if it's a little junior nine-year-old, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to need help getting it on on there and stuff. But after that, man, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've seen it after tournaments, right? When they get done, parents pushing the cart and the kids on the cell phone, like, wait a minute. Like, yep. This isn't how you build ownership towards what you're doing. You know what I mean? You take care of all your stuff. Yep. I'm going to be over here because this is yours. It's not mine. Mm. Yep. And, and you're and little things like that. Yeah. And you're, you're showing the kid you're, you're getting the driven and the driving backwards. It's all backwards. And you're showing them, I, I'm pushing you to do this thing. All you got to do is like, just show up and just like survive for five hours and I'll do all the other hard stuff. Right. And that's backwards. Absolutely, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, let them pack their bag, let them come yeah. up with the stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. And, and then what we've done is now we've prepared, um, the kid for the path, not trying to prepare the path for the kid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So if you could just impart general one, one general piece of wisdom, put you on the spot a little bit to all the listeners like this, do this going forward and you'll be better. And whether it's to the do best this, player in the world, do this in the remembrance of me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. give me the con. Give me the context, though, Josh. I didn't mean to make the joke, man. No, that's okay. Um, I would say, uh, someone sitting, someone's driving to their job on the on the mm-hmm. freeway, listening to this, and they're like, "Man, I want to get better at golf." Like, I like it's it's early in the season, or the season's just getting started, or it's about to get started. I want to do this year differently. What, like, give me something. Like, what can I do? Uh, going forward this year. I mean, rewind to the beginning of this podcast and listen to it all over again. But just a just a like a quick hit of do this this year. Commit to this this thing this year and see what happens. Like look back in, in December yeah. and did it go well? What would you say? Yeah, it's a good one, man. So I would say this: um, you have to be. You don't have to be crazy about your preparation, but you have to be consistent. Mm. You have to be consistent. So I would look at it as in terms of, look, if somebody is like really listening, wanting to get better, then do it six days a week. I don't care if it's a 30 minute session, but you're doing it every single day. Mm. Uh, I say six days a week because then you need to allow yourself, hey, life's going to get in the way sort of thing. Yeah. Um, even if it's putting for 15 minutes, do it every day. Mm. And then what you'll see is um, automatically you're going to get better because of the consistency but you automatically now you got the street equity and the swing equity and the sweat equity that's going into it. So you start to show up deserving and knowing that you've put in the work. Yeah. That's what pays off. Yeah. Okay. So I would say you don't need to be crazy. You have to be consistent. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Like Grace, would... Grace Park, Grace Park's perfect example, man. I mean, yeah. she never practiced for more than two hours every time. Hmm. It's a whole lot better, man, to do two, two hour sessions than it is to do one four-hour session. Yeah. So even on that, man, I think it's a whole lot better to do four one-hour sessions than it is, you know what I mean, days? Yeah. Than it is to do one four-hour session. Yeah. Why is it? Because you're you're worn out well, and you the, lose your focus? Yeah. yeah the, well, the motor behavior in terms of uh, the, the skills that you kind of get having to start and stop, and then when you come back to it and then re-warm up, and then what's, where's the body and where's the function of it? Hmm. Um, just that part alone, because you know how it is. I mean, you show up, who knows what the swing is going to be today, right? It's the soup yeah. du jour. <laughs> so when you can put those together, you're getting a me- better semblance of, okay, man, it keeps pushing. Well, yesterday was pushing too. What was the little adjustment that I made? Sure. Right, man, I just got to turn through it instead of sliding or whatever it's going to be. Yep. And you don't get that when it's going to be four-hour sessions. Four-hour session is... Yeah, you got the mental focus, but I can tell you what, you give yourself enough time, you'll be striping it. Well, that doesn't right. equate to playing. Yeah. I see. That's that's really that's really good. I mean, that's like you're I, there's there's been studies done on like studying like for a test and right. spacing it out. I, I forget the term, but it's like 
you're you're better if you space out your studying in a in a consistent way rather than cramming it. I mean, cramming can be helpful, but it's like cramming two months before the tournament. It's not going to be helpful, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing too. It's like you're so we're approaching the time, right? We're back to the time, and if you allow yourself this time, if you allow yourself, I only have one hour to practice. I'm going to guarantee you're not going to be wasting a lot of time on your sure. phone in that hour. If you give yourself four hours, mm. yeah, man, you can kind of, you know, chat here and there, stuff like that. No big deal. And if you only allow yourself an hour of time, you will get the most out of that hour. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Consistent. Or two hours or wherever it's going to be. Right. 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 Don't, you don't have to be crazy. You have to be consistent. That's right, man. Okay. So what would you name this episode? Oh, geez, man. That's a good one. Didn't we have a, what would we say? Putting is the key to enjoyment of the game. Or why can't we just say, I can't wait to be patient. Yeah, we got to do that. All right. I got to, I got to always promote that book, man. So yeah, that one sounds really interesting. Yeah. That's happy to get you a copy, man. You know it. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Anybody puts me on the podcast, man. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So you've got the two books. Where would you point people to find more about you to, you know, social website, whatever. Yeah, my social, um, I mean, again, my website, drrobbell.com, and that's the same thing with my uh, social media. It's D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L. So that's on Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn. Those are probably the ones I'm most active on. And Got it. And would you send people to Amazon for your books? No, or go to the website, website drrobbell.com. Yeah, we got, got a, a weekly newsletter that always goes out. Nice. Talking about some part of uh, mental game, uh, not always just with golf, man, but just yeah. with life. And, yeah, of course. And yeah. Moments and perspective. And- Good. Yeah. That's the best part about all this is you're working on you as a person and golf is just one of the mm-hmm. things that you apply it to, right? It's just the, it's just the vehicle, man. But the thing about golf is it, man, is the one sport that everyone's going to say sport is like life, right? Like we hear that, but yeah. golf is the one sport mm. of where it so resembles life, man. Hmm. I mean, more often than not, right? It's about relationships, it's about the camaraderie with people. The harder you try, the worse you're going to do. And the difference between a ball going a couple inches to the right and mm. a couple inches to the left, you're only as good as your lie. You know, mm. it totally changes the shot. That's a good point. And that's why, I mean, you have this open loop skill or closed loop skill. I'll get in arguments with people like that because I'm like, look, man. You, it's not a closed loop skill. It's open loop. It's not like a ho- hockey shot where you're trying to adjust for the puck, but you have to manipulate. And it's a totally different swing if that ball is sitting down a little bit. Sure. You know what I mean, so yeah, you can process it, but it, it becomes a totally different shot, man. Sure. Okay. Well, there's plenty to get into. Maybe future episodes. We'll see. I'd, I'd love to talk after the book comes out. And yeah, man. Um, uh, do you have a timeline on that book? Uh, the book is going to be out uh, first week of May. All right, nice. It's coming up. Good. All right, cool. Well, you you get back to work. And the, and the fastest way to get there. You got yes. it, man. Okay, well, cool. Thank you, Dr. Rob. Uh, this is awesome. Appreciate you being on. Thanks to you, man. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Rob Bell. Uh, I mean, he... He's just, you can just tell he brings that energy um, of an ultra marathoner, something that I could never, ever do. But 
I loved I loved his energy. I love his uh, passion for um, helping players uh, get better. So uh, if you enjoyed that episode, I would love it if you shared it with somebody. Uh, send this to somebody that you know um, could use this kind of help, could use this advice. Uh, maybe they they hit those tough moments and they eject themselves from it and they don't know how to handle themselves and they, they don't push through. Or... Maybe they uh, they have a bad relationship with time. They don't they don't manage their time. They're um, they're impatient with the process. They um, they try to get that result right now rather than patiently putting in the work. Uh, send it to those people that that could use that advice. Um, and if you love the Mental Golf Show in general, I'd love it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, yeah, go go leave a review. It, it really helps the show uh, get out there. Uh, the show's growing, so I'd love it if it uh, kept on growing. It's it's really great. So I appreciate everyone who continues to show up and listen, and uh, for everyone who reaches out uh, with questions, comments, um, who knows what else. But um, yeah, as I always say at the end of these episodes, uh, this the information is for general info purposes. It's it's not meant to help your situation specifically. So if you if you feel like you need some one on one help. Um, Go find a licensed professional. Go talk to someone like Dr. Rob Bell. You could talk to someone like me. Uh, I am a golf psychology coach. I, I work with players all over the country and all over the world. So, um, yeah, if, you, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can shoot me an email, mentalgolfshow at gmail.com, or you can find some more information on my website, joshnicholsgolf.com, and all the links to all of that will be in the show notes below the episode. So go check it all out and hit me up if you feel like you need some one-on-one uh, -on -one help with the mental game. All right, this has been the Mental Golf Show. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Nichols, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.